Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respect to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. You can follow us on Instagram at Gays Revolting Pod, or join our Facebook group at The Gays Are Revolting. And if you'd like to support the podcast and listen to our after shows, head on over to patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod for a heap of extra content. My name's Thomas Jaspers, and I was recently taking stock of my assets for contents insurance and realised the most expensive thing I own is a sausage. Dog. <laughs> and you almost lost that. I know, and it's depreciating in value every day. Every day. And I'm here too. My name's Luke, and I'm the proof that diversity casting works. <laughs> um, and we've got special... No Kyle this week again. He's one more week off in Italy. But we have got special guests. We're going to let them read each other. Well, one of the people that we're joined with is Australia's budget version of Leah Dunham. Thank oh. you. Mary Roseanne. Thank you. Hi, Dal. Hi. And we're also with Morgan, who is breaking no stereotypes of being 25, dating a 38-year-old and not supporting himself. <laughs> oh, that one was harsh. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good to see where you guys sit with each other. Um, we're so excited we to have you here. Each other. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've actually missed reading each other. It was you nice. are, I think I can go the, back to reading each other if you like. I think I'm like the bitch of this show because I've missed <laughs> it ever since we got rid of it. If we're not, like my confidence has been really good yeah. since we got rid of it. <laughs> like, I miss it! <laughs> and so we are so excited to be joined by Mary and Morgan and they are the hosts of another podcast on the Lip Media Network, Oh Dear. All the way from Sydney just to see us. So nice. Pop the flight, came down. <laughs> $60, yeah. deal. Bargain. Bargain travellers. Yeah. You guys Did are you? doing like double duty podcast Back to back, this to, back to back to back, yeah. I'm exhausted. Is it triple, <laughs> triple duty? Did you do an episode of your own show as well? Oh, like we oh, put look, that on the we're back putting burner. that on the back <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to it. Don't worry, Dan. Stop looking nervous. Um, your show's gone from strength to strength as more people are discovering it. Could you tell us a little bit more about your friendship and why you guys decided to do a podcast? Because every fucking asshole's doing a podcast now. <laughs> like, yeah, I think we managed. And we like, are those assholes. Yeah. <laughs> we managed to like swoop in just before that happened, yeah. which is stunning. But um, oh, Mary and I have been friends since we were in year eight. Oh, yeah. Back when Morgan dated girls and I dated no one. Oh. <laughs> but we kind of like bonded through high school because we were always like the weirdos. Yeah. Kind of no one really wanted to hang out I with us. I can see that. Like, yeah. We okay. Were, Thanks, we were, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> we were too busy coming to school talking about like the Logies and like you know what Queen, Ricky Liz- Lee, what Queen Elizabeth was doing this off. week. And... I also know the Queen Elizabeth stuff. I can understand. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's we're cool. Like, She's amazing. Like we we kind of like stood out, but not enough to actually get noticed. Mm-hmm. But we kind of like picked up on each other so we kind of developed that friendship and then I don't know we also sat in each other in exams because we had this like very similar last names like yeah. we have an MA thing in our mm-hmm. last names like I almost got kicked out of the school certificate because you used Mary. to like push my chair <laughs> so we're soul sisters and what made you want to turn that into a podcast as wanky as it sounds we're kind of like around people and people used to comment on like our dynamic and the chemistry oh. that we had and you know you guys are really funny you should make a podcast or it's like us at 3am at Stonewall and we're like yeah demanding no, we everyone tell us that we're funny no yeah, tell um, us we're funny and Morgan will fuck you <laughs> and there was about five years ago where we were like maybe we should make like a YouTube channel or like find something creative to do because Mary's a 
creative person. You guys and Pop Chops was kind of the inspiration for why we got into doing a podcast. Oh, no so way. yeah, so I used to listen to you guys like religiously. So it's our fault that you guys. Are- it's no, your, it's fault. your fault. We're yeah. here. We used to talk about gays revolting. Like, yeah, I think we both used to discuss it. Like we're like, oh, have you listened to gays yeah. revolting? And that was like something we, we could do that. Like- we could do it better. <laughs> yeah. um, that doesn't seem that hard. Yeah. Like- but I think it was like for us at least the first kind of like LBTQ plus thing where we were, that was Australian mm-hmm. because so much yeah. as Americans you yeah. can't necessarily relate. Where I was like, oh my god, I know that place, or I've been there, or like I've heard that topic, or and we were discussing it, mm. and I was like, I just feel like there's not much of a place for particularly women to to talk about the things that are actually happening yeah. to us mm. without it being like super extreme necessarily. Mm. It is really exciting. I think all these queer podcasts that are coming through, um, Best Duties, you guys, Word of the Gay, um, Sinister Sisters, Sydney Gays, S- the Sydney <laughs> Gays as well. Yeah. That was great. Uh, you know, there's, there's something for everyone. We'll put it that way. But it, um, I think it is really exciting. And you're right, it's really exciting. There's Australian voices coming through because we're so overwhelmed with American and British culture, especially when it comes down to like queer culture. It's it's I think really exciting that always as And Aussie it's really informative, I think. Yeah. Because a lot of people just don't know information. Mm. So but it's like, like an easy And way. even just like you saying Stonewall, like it's it's so rare that we get to hear our local bars and places that we hang out get referenced yeah. in the media. Stonewall. Stonewall. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're talking about the Sydney Stonewall for any yes. international yes, listeners. We are. Of course, it's everyone's very, very aware of the Stonewall <laughs> in New York. Um, like, no, we we're in not Sydney, there every week recreating it. <laughs> I think it's interesting too because queer culture and sort of the issues are so different when you take it in the context of where you are as well so what I learned from doing Mm -hmm. this show was you could read so much about a topic and then sit in this room with the four of us like our usual hosts and realize oh none of this applies because Australia is such a like unique beast Mm, culturally Mm. that there's a real need for I think Australian voices yeah Yeah. especially in the LGBTQIA Hmm. plus space Speaking of the show, uh, you discuss different hot topics each week. With our show, we mainly pick them out of a hat or <laughs> send them drunkenly to our group chat in the middle of the night. How do, how do you uh, decide what topics you we, want to discuss? We definitely try to stay relevant, so kind of sure. what's going on. But at the same time, we sometimes just hit record on a complete I think as win. well, it's kind of like what we would be talking about as mates that week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is usually kind of niche. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't turn around to everyone and be like, so Ricky Lee's making a comeback? Has anyone heard? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do. I, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to tell Morgan that. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to care. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's kind of what we're talking about. And I think I feel like it's really hard for women to find, like, smart, content Mm -hmm. that isn't kind of like laced with this idea of everything has to be about sexuality or feminism Mm -hmm. which I think is so important but also women just talk about normal shit yeah and there isn't really an outlet necessarily for that and like we quite like the topics as well that we might challenge each other on yeah and I think especially because it is that aspect of you know me being a gay male and Mary being a heterosexual female that we're always learning from each other and I think like there's always been a natural thing of women always being there in like history for being mm. there for gay men and vice versa. Mm. But still Morgan and I point things out to each other now where like that's homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, um <laughs> But you know, like I used to always say to him that like men never talk to women, like they overlook it for the nearest man. And Morgan mm-hmm. would be like, okay, sure. And now I notice he'll be like, Did you see that man not talk to you but talk to me? Yeah, right. And I'm like, I'm proud of you, baby. <laughs> mm. So Morgan, anyway, um yeah. <laughs> that's nice, sweetie. Moving forward. <laughs> Back to Morgan. Uh, <laughs> Um, one of my favorite things about recording a show is breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> and I think it drives everyone else on this show pretty crazy. But I think, Mary, your sort of yawning and your your natural candor in, uh, on the show is something that people really enjoy. And talking about some of the more mundane aspects of day-to-day life, so cards getting declined getting fired was shitting on your wallet in the public bathroom that was a really good one that, that, that who <laughs> hasn't been there before yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you make a conscious effort when recording that you wanted to make the show really relatable and down to earth for your audiences we didn't want it to be glossy because i feel like with instagram you think everyone has these like perfect lives yeah. like i have friends that instagram famous that have no money mm. do you know what i mean like which you wouldn't know because that's brands crazy send them me. clothes that's clothes great but it's not actually money in their account mm. I know that, like, I don't have a big Instagram, but I have enough Instagram people like, oh, my God, your goals. Or, like, oh, my God, like, you're so brave. Oh, my God, I look up to you. And I'm like, fuck me. Like, I'm crying in the stall at Gloria Jeans. Mm. Like, and so we definitely made a point, like, both of us. You should be going to Gloria Jeans, by the way. It's homophobic. But sorry. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't go there, Mary. when were you there? But if you go there, can you get me a caramel latte? (laughs) 
so we really made an effort to like wanted to make it this is what being in your 20s is like yeah. it's, a, it's a fucking hot mess mm. and like yes yeah, sometimes you're at an amazing launch and sometimes you can't pay your phone bill yeah I think just basically we kind of said like are we going to be honest here or are we going to mm. pretend that our lives are fabulous and it was also the idea like when we were saying like we honestly sometimes just hit record and start talking to one another yeah. and I think that just naturally is authentic like yeah. we honestly sometimes forget that there's the recording material there and we're just going for it great and I think that's what a natural conversation I mean yeah. again we're breaking down the fourth wall by having this conversation yeah. in the first place but um, I got to, to uh, speak at a uh, lip media podcast workshop on the weekend and one of the questions they asked was how do you do good storytelling basically and I think the most important thing is making uh, your listeners feel like they're part of a conversation I think that's what yeah. you guys do really well you sort of you don't feel like they're on the outside listening in people that are listening feel like they're having that conversation with you guys which is well that was kind of one of the taglines when we started it was the idea of like you can hit play and listen to us while you're literally sitting on the balcony having vino and you yeah. can laugh along with us yeah. kind of thing and, and you don't feel like oh these guys have really good lives because mm. that's what yeah. I think Instagram and like no you sound like mm. some awful, yeah, awful. No, like, like you could meet us anywhere you could pay me to be you Mary <laughs> you've <laughs> walked past me before <laughs> yeah I think outside of Kyle no one thinks us on this show have good life. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyle does have a perfect life. Kyle <laughs> does. He's dating a hot man. He's I in know. Italy right yeah, now. Yeah, he's on a beautiful trip around Italy. And like, which we definitely are aware of life. thanks like, to his Instagram like he's so stories. suited. Yeah, like absolutely. that country but is also, just like, him. But also like, so handsome. Yeah. Like, yeah. Handsome in every location. Yeah. I fall on for his charm. We Skype. <laughs> <laughs> And now, Morgan, you identify as gay, as you said, yes. as if I couldn't tell from the shirt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mary, you're a fierce ally of the uh, LGBTQIA+. I mean, I'm a friend. No, <laughs> fierce ally, for sure. Um, despite only one of you being gay, your show's probably gayer than our show, to be quite honest. Are you deliberately making a show with a queer audience in mind? Well, to start with, it wasn't necessarily the case. It was kind of more of like, a, I kind of understand talking about like gay issues, what kind yeah. of audience that would attract. And Mary talking about women's issues, what kind of audience that would attract. So we thought it was going to be this really big mix of Mm -hmm. kind of the two. And then it wasn't until there was a bit of a scandal with another gay podcast Mm. that kind of galvanized a whole bunch of gays to listening to us (laughs) and supporting us and being like, you know, I love your stuff. I love what you're doing. Mm. And at that moment, we kind of made that decision of like, this is the audience that we're going to appeal to. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. Like, we're still going to naturally be just talking about what we're doing, but we know now who's listening to us. And I think I just have so many gay men message me and be like, thanks for standing up for us or like, thanks for thinking about it. I've never said that to you. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) Like, at least you can fucking do. Um, And that, like, that's created a connection because I think often women... I feel like, and I've worked in offices where, like, women like gay men, but, like, will happily, like, let their male co-worker, like, call someone a faggot. Whereas I've always been like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you don't get to do <laughs> no, that. No, I yeah. would yeah, never. Yeah, you're, like, screaming it down the street. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I can have a fag hag, but, like, don't you dare. Um, you know, so I think that, it, like, it's really important for women and men, like, in any way, to be vocal about it. Mm. Because I think so many people are like, oh, well, you know, like, I like the gays, but, like, my husband, like, he's opinionated. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I'm like, no, it's a very fucking hard line with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the playboy side really made me realise how yeah. important it is to say something and not just assume people don't think you're homophobic. Mm-hmm. That was also the first time that I ever really kind of spoke up and was like, like I made one of the, you know, big Facebook statuses, like I think we all did, and like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> broke it down about how this affected me. But like, uh, at the I same... think I did one like 3am every fucking morning. Yeah, just like repetitive, like someone's yeah. got to listen to You're like, to hi, this. I'd like to get married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was the first time that um, I ever felt different. Yeah. Because... I never have really grown up or experienced homophobia or not Mm. being accepted. Like, I have an extremely accepting family. I have a great friendship group. Like, Mm. it's always been great. And then this kind of thing came along and I felt different for the first time. So I started speaking up about it. I think it's one of the really interesting side effects of the uh, marriage equality survey was that it did politicise a lot of it and and made a lot of, um, especially younger uh, queer people, sit up and realise... Mm. That you have to fight for shit. Who probably didn't and, want to be. Or, or maybe just even weren't aware of, yeah. of how politics... Like, a lot of people just don't have a genuine interest in politics, which is mm. fine. But I think a lot of people sort of sat up for the first time and paid attention to politics. Especially because, like, a lot of the younger queer people don't face the same adversity as some of the older queer people have yeah. had to go through. And so I, I feel like, and I hope that what it's done it has made them realise, okay, so now what are we fighting for? Like, who else mm. needs us to stand up and, and mm. help them fight? I think fight? it made me angry. Yeah. I think because I lived in a bubble, like I was in the inner yeah. city, so I was like, well, my gay friends are fine and we all love each other and like, yeah. shh. There's and a then, rainbow flag outside of Stonewall, like that's yeah. enough. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah, so I've taken photos under in. it, I've shown yeah. my support. Um, But I think when I like would speak to my gay friends and they'd be like, I've had a really shit week because I think you said to me and it really alarmed me, you were like, I've never felt like who my choice has become so politicised. Mm. Like, mm. who I love is now, like, a topic on Q&A. Mm. 
And I remember being like, oh, fuck, like, I need to make sure And people, people getting to validate their feelings by getting to vote on it. Was, and deciding yeah. that, like, being homophobic was political. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't mind the gays, but, like, I wouldn't want them to be married. Yeah. You know, and just, like, that being on the TV all the time mm. just made me, like, so angry. And I realised, because everyone was speaking up about it, a lot of people that were in my life that have obviously, like, bitten their tongue, now all of a sudden are speaking up saying that they don't support this. Mm. So I'm sitting in this oh, situation really? at, like, you know, a family dinner or, like, my like a friend of mine's mum or someone like that who's standing up and supporting the fact of it like you know no or like we you love you get but like yeah just don't really agree with it and it was like this situation I was like oh, okay I am different from everyone yeah and we were on the street when gay marriage got legalized mm-hmm. I lived in Oxford Street at the time and we literally walked out into the street and to just see the happiness mm. like I can't explain how mm. beautiful it was thank god it was at daytime or it would have been shut down yeah 100% <laughs> were, yeah, yeah, yeah. no you're not wrong <laughs> not no, anymore, they, they, blocked, they blocked off Oxford Street that night so yeah. no cars could come there down there was like a policeman that was like um ma'am can you not stop drinking out of a wine bottle and I was like just let me finish I think that kind of proved because a lot of people expected that to be like the apocalypse. You know, conservative people that this was like the peak of the gay agenda. Mm. Watch us take over. Yeah. And and something I take a bit of like sour grape enjoyment from is just watching day-to-day life continue for these people and just be like... I also like to imagine like what would have happened if no had won. Yeah. Like they wouldn't, they don't know how to party. Like they would have just been like, okay, cool. Well, time for... They would have said like a bin on fire. Yeah. Maybe a banjo. (laughs) Gone to Cronulla. (laughs) (laughs) I think they like make porridge or something. I don't know how they celebrate, but anyway. But I think Morgan and I went to a Thai restaurant because like we still need to eat. Yeah. And And we we don't have a lot of money. (laughs) Like we went to Thai. Tie me up on Oxford Street. Oh, yes. No, no. Pun. Beautiful. And we were sitting there and we were chatting and there was like an older group of gay men near us. And obviously Morgan and I had talked about this. He always felt like it would legalize in his lifetime. Mm. But there was older group of men, like 50s or 60s, and they were like so emotional because for them they had thought it was impossible. Yeah, it wasn't you know even I mean? question. It wasn't arrived. even like yeah. on the table and yeah. they were kind of crying and stuff and we were sort of looking at them. But like still eating. We're like, mm. we're upset. Like, <laughs> we can eat. Yeah, I need my pad thai. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're both saying like, yes, this is an exciting moment for, for Morgan, absolutely, or for young gay men. But, like, for the older ones, like, this was huge Mm. because they came from a time where being gay was, like, a crime Mm. to now being able to get married. Um, Speaking of politics, uh, you both have professed your undying love for former Liberal Party deputy leader, Julie Bishop. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you love about her so much? Who doesn't love a powerful woman? A powerful, fashionable woman. I said I'd never vote for her, but I love her. Like, adore <laughs> her. Like, adore the woman. The red shoes with the suits. Yeah. Like, when she yeah. the red shoes, I was like, <gasps> lady. Um, I think a lot of the, like, the problem with Julie Bishop is, like, she gets branded a lot with a liberal, like, card. So, yeah. because she comes she under... she is a, a liberal. A, well, <laughs> because she's under this umbrella, and yes, she does have those kind of viewpoints, there's a lot of amazing things that this woman stands up for and she believes in and she talks and pushes forward that a lot of people are quite happy to sweep under because they're like, well, no, you yeah, can't I have mean, those Yeah, I mean, she is views. still liberal. Absolutely. Tom's like, I can't stress that out now. I just want to make it clear. Do I need to spell it out for you right now? She's like the least shittiest shit, yeah. Yeah, like if you want to polish one up, she's probably going to be the polished. But like, She's um, still a very enigmatic person and uh, quite fascinating. I think, though, you have to remember, like, politics is full of women that are just completely vilified. Mm. And look, absolutely, she's become an icon by playing by the rules, and I agree Mm. with that. You know, she's pretty, she wears Mm. heels, and she plays the game. Mm. She might have fucked Michael Turnbull. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Who's Michael Turnbull? Malcolm. <laughs> His brother. <laughs> she couldn't get to Malcolm. He's devoted to Lucy. But there's something about, and I will always say this, like seeing a woman in power that is exciting. Mm. Because I'm used to just a bunch of white men talking oh, about Oh, she's like, she's still a fucking incredible person. She just yeah. is not Look, great. Look, <laughs> I wouldn't, I vote for Leia Party. I wouldn't yeah. vote for her. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But I'm still excited to see a woman there. Yeah, because absolutely. I'm stuck listening to... And I would argue that it's probably harder for a woman uh, to get as far as she got in the Liberal Party than it would have been in the Labor Party. Yeah, although I think they're both pretty fucked, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. I know that um, Julia Gillard got there, but she got fucking vilified along yeah. the yeah. way. It's only recently that I was actually on the train and I had a real proud moment. There were, like, two young girls in front of me, like, maybe 19, mm. and they were talking about Julia Gillard's, like, famous feminist speech. Mm. And they were just saying how cool it was. And I was like, yeah. tears, tears. Because I can remember when that happened and yeah. no one cared. Mm. <laughs> like, no, everyone attacked. Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I, guess I would say then 
a woman on the Liberal Party would receive less attacks from across the bench than a woman on the Labor Party would. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. And I look, I think that she's still a great example. It fucking kills me that she won't say that she's a feminist. Mm. It really bugs me because I feel like the more we make that word dirty, mm. the more we're going to have problems with women getting like equal pay. Do you want to hear the widest sentence that I'll ever say in my life? I'm um, ready. I met Julie Bishop at the Portsea Polo. And we're dating. <laughs> <laughs> I was there with Joel Creasy, the Real Housewives of Melbourne, and Julie Bishop. <laughs> the that crew. is very yeah. funny. Was she, like, was she really amazing. charismatic? Uh, yeah, she was lovely. She was a bit yeah. pissed. Um, but yeah, she was lovely. So were yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I was, I was off, off chops. It was free champagne. Was she like immaculately dressed? Yes. Stunning. Yeah, stunning. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely stunning. You're like, I hate you, but I love you. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm very two-faced. I was lovely to her, yeah. <laughs> You're like, everything you do is amazing, yeah. sweetie. I would die for and you. And I think this was like in the build-up to the marriage equality postal survey as You're well. You're like, queen, yeah. queen, yeah. queen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, so you, you are visiting from Sydney. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we are in Melbourne. And you're a Sydney-based okay. podcast. Spoiler. Melbourne-based so podcast. Saying. Spoiler. And, you know, there's a lot of Melbourne-Sydney rivalry. So I have to ask, Sydney, chic or shit? <laughs> Look, depends who you ask. But um, like, I'd say chic. Like, there's a few little, like, things where Luke's you could dad, do Luke's dad, he's it. like, I'm, that's fucked. We are obviously game. quoting the Sydney guys. Well, uh, look, I'm a little devoted to Sydney, but I think it's like a bad boyfriend. You're like, he's going to change. Yeah. Um, he won't cheat on me. He won't cheat on me this time. He won't, <laughs> he won't lock the door. Um. I'm not having a go. I fucking love Sydney. I have... Not enjoyed my last several visits because I, it has been fucked up by the lockout laws, but they've just announced that they're going to be lifted on almost all Glad the lives on to get them away, no, mm. which is it. great. Because I wasn't going to go to Mardi Gras this year purely because last year, like the reason I go there is to go out and get fucked up and bar hop, mm. and uh, I couldn't do that the last mm. couple of years, so I wasn't going to go this year, and now I can do that, so I am going to go. I will see you there, sweetie. Great. Um, no, I love Sydney. I think that yeah. the thing that I found so exciting was that we grew up down the south coast. Mm. And, like, coming to Sydney was just, like, such a sense of, like, oh, we found somewhere we belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though absolutely, like, the lockout laws have really stuffed a lot of that up, there's still so many great venues that allow people to feel safe. I also feel like it's where a lot of the gay rights movements of Australia or the entire LGBTQIA plus rights movements of Australia happened. It's really Sydney is the epicentre of that. So there's a lot of history and a lot of com- sense of community yeah. in Sydney. And I think, like, St. Vincent, like, I know, like, St. Vincent's Hospital was a huge thing for, like, the, um, raising money and stuff towards HIV. Yeah. And I remember my mom was saying to me the other day that one of her best friends who was gay used to go to Simpson's Hospital every weekend and mm. hold tea parties. Oh, wow. With, like, his fine china. Yeah. Like, bring it out, hold tea parties, because no Amazing. one would go to that ward. And she's like, so you think you're a fag hag? Like, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get original. in line, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and you do get a bit of a sense of that history that, um, as much as I love Melbourne, Melbourne doesn't have as much of it mm. here because it just didn't have the population for it. Didn't have poofed off? Like- <laughs> no, I know. We didn't have poofed off at the We're time. We're creating history every day, Tom. Sydney was always like our big apple. Like, Ooh. honestly, like we grew yeah. up in this like s- small little south coast town where there was about me and four other gay guys. Yeah. And the second. And after you like, slept with them all, <laughs> I needed to move. No, but like we used to get on the train at like 14, 15, like skipping school and yeah. come up to Sydney and just walk up and down Oxford Street yeah. just because it was like one of that final sense of like, okay, we can fit in somewhere. Yeah. So I guess there's a lot wrong with Sydney, but that's what it's always going to like kind of hold for me is that first kind of like home. Mm. You won't see like, us at the Beresford. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> is, it, is the Beresford bad? It's like a Sunday. No, we're just like making fun of it because it was okay. in their theme song. Um, yeah. oh, okay. But it's just like a Sunday hang. Like, I have gotten trash at the Beresford. No, just because I was like hosting a monthly gig there for like several months. I just want to make sure that I'm not. No, 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 no. no. It's super fun. It's just like you get trash there, you sit in the outdoor area. Yeah, great. Everyone judges each other. You bum a cigarette off someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's heaven. Sydney sounds like a treat. (laughs) I will never go. Like, we'll host you guys next. And so this week, Mary and Morgan will be joining us for the rest of the episode as well. Yay! We are. Exciting. You're stuck with us. And sticking around for the Patreon too. So we have a lot of content coming up. I subscribe to the Patreon. I just want to say that. Oh, no way. No, I literally do. I used to make Dan send them to me, but then I felt super cheap. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'll just subscribe. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. 
So, uh, we're going to start with a really light-hearted topic. Mary, what do you know about Hong Kong and all the issues going on down there? <laughs> oh, fuck you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the game of hot potato or whatever. No one wants to have. start the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I know that everyone's protesting. <laughs> yes, pretty much, yeah. Um, I'll give you a bit of back history on it, although I'm sure that both of you are very across all your international I mean, politics. Always. talk slow. <laughs> okay, quick history lesson. Uh, Hong Kong was under British rule since the Opium Wars in the 1840s, and then it was handed over, well, sovereignty was handed over to China. China in 1997, but they did it in this unusual way. So it's not, it's part of China, but it's not governed exactly by China entirely. So it's got its own economic systems, its own judiciary system, and they have this policy called the one country, two systems policy. Now it's been, yeah, and it's been working pretty good. Hong Kong is an incredibly peaceful place. It's renowned for being an incredibly polite place. The people there are very polite, obviously an economic powerhouse as well. But recently, politically, there's been some turmoil. (laughs) <laughs> Hold Bit of gird, tea. Gird, gird your loins. So yeah, two million protesters took to the street. Many of them were, were very young people, lots of students and that sort of stuff. A few months ago, to protest legislation for this new law that would allow Hong Kong citizens to be extradited to mainland China and to be prosecuted by mainland Chinese law. Mm. So it was sort of perceived by Hong Kongians, as I believe they're called, as communist mainland China trying to take the democracy away from Hong Kong. And so since then, protests have been happening every day. And at first. So very peaceful protests, and then, then the police started getting more aggressive, and so the protesters started becoming more aggressive, and it's turned into a very violent sort of thing. It's been happening every few days now. They've shut down airports, very train disruptive. stations, inc- incredibly mm. disruptive. Also incredibly ingenious, some of the ways that they've been protesting. It's it's heartbreaking for me to see a country that has always been a very peaceful place where people's rights have been listened to and people's voices have been heard to be turned into such a chaotic city. But as I said, you know, the, the protesters are just amazing. These, these students, the government have done things like restricting the sale of gas masks, helmets and megaphones so that they can't you know, hide from the tear gas and that sort of stuff. So what they've started doing is um, having these pop-up shops that they organise via encrypted social media apps. And they'll be like, right on the corner of this street and this street, we'll be selling gas masks, helmets, that sort of stuff. You know, that's like a gay man being like, I've got it sorted, girl. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. exactly, yeah. No, I think <laughs> it might be... encryption here, yeah? No, and I'm, I'm calling it a pop-up shop. <laughs> no, I think it's the lesbians organising that. The gays would be too Always. frivolous. We'd yeah. be two hours late. Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, yeah, so they're doing these like amazing little pop-up things. And what's really great, they had um, Australian journalists there filming it and there was people that had lots of money paying extra so that students could get cheaper stuff that if they couldn't afford a gas mask so that mm. they could still go and protest. Um, I don't know if you saw the footage of when the smoke bombs were landing. They were running over with witches' hats or for international listeners, that were traffic cones. No, <laughs> Australia's the only place that calls them witches' hats. <laughs> and people true? from overseas think it's really funny that we call... Like a Halloween costume. Yeah, like, why are you like, putting those on the yeah, street? Anyway. It's not like- <laughs> They're running over to these um, smoke bombs with witches' hats and putting them on, and then pouring water down it to to extinguish oh, the bomb. Say, don't they know there's a hole at the top? Because <laughs> like, like. there's these camera towers as well all around Hong Kong, and the protesters are concerned that they're using fa- the Chinese government's using facial recognition to prosecute protesters. So what they've been doing is getting these umbrellas, holding them up, and then running towards the camera towers so that people can't see their faces and then chopping them down and disconnecting the cords so that they can't be filmed while they're protesting on the streets. But it has resulted in the police now becoming quite vicious and brutal. There's footage of people having their teeth knocked out and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of the protesters breaking into Hong Kong Parliament. This is actually what galvanised a lot of the Hong Kong people that were sort of middle ground Mm. politically. So the Hong Kong protesters broke into the Hong Kong Parliament House kind of thing and uh, ransacked it, but they put signs up on things like the artwork and the um, antiques... um, and people's personal belongings that were in the building saying, don't damage these, we aren't vandals, we're here for a political reason, not to ruin people's lives, or don't mm. steal stuff from this like cafe, we're not here, we're not thieves, you know, we're here to make a political point, not to trash history and that sort of it's stuff. It's a very Asian way to protest, yeah. <laughs> I feel. And when a lot of people around Hong Kong saw that, they were like, oh, hang on, these people, you know, they're not bad people that are out to, to make life hard, they're here to defend our democracy mm. and that sort of stuff, which is fascinating. I'm, I've been watching it and I've been thinking about how fucking lucky we are that we're not in a position like that and how lucky... I mean, we're talking about the marriage equality postal survey, yeah. the amount of marches and stuff that I went to, how we were able to freely do that. I'm keen to know what you guys' relationship is with protesting, with political activism, whether it's not necessarily yeah. on the street physically. What kind of stuff do you get worked up about and, and do something yeah. about? Well, they recently 
pulled the plug on the Australian version of Catfish with Casey Donovan. And so I'm yep. planning and a little with something. A sign You're like, out. I'm hitting the streets. No one's on me. That was the last straw for me. I actually grew up being very politically active. Mm-hmm. So I think it was kind of the perfect melting pot of I was a teenager. I was coming. I'd always felt like an outsider because I was one of maybe six Asian people or people of color at my school. Mm. So I was always on the outskirts. I was coming to terms with my sexuality as well and figuring out, okay, I don't fit in in this other way as well. And then right around that time, it all sort of coalesced around 9-11 and Australia getting involved in um, the war that it all just lined up where I went, this doesn't represent me. But I was figuring a lot of things out about the world and realizing that my best interests weren't sort of the government's best interests. Mm. And when you're that age, everything is like a fire. You know, you don't just feel things. You feel things a million. Yeah. You know, that's why we love all those fucking awful records we listened to yeah. when we were teenagers. Aqua. So when I was in that phase, you know, I organized school strikes. The schools hated me because yeah. I was always like recruiting kids. I thought I was part oh, of the socialist. You were like Scientology. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I'd bring them to like the socialist party meetings where these 16 year old kids would go listen to a white guy with dreads. Talk mm-hmm. about how to be a socialist in small town Adelaide. It's awful. Yeah. But we we were idealistic. And unfortunately, I, th- I think this is a really common story as well. It's not a positive one. But I think the, the capitalist lifestyle really knocked mm. the activist out of me. So I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I feel like you get to a certain age and you realize oh, at some point I... I've got to go with the grain of... What everyone else is doing. You just or? can't keep fighting. Yeah, I can't keep fighting. Yeah. I've, I've, I've got, got to go to work. I've, I, I, it's I true. have to go like, to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the way the system's created is you're exhausted mm. all the fucking time for your basic amenities that you don't have the energy to, you know, recruit children into a socialist. Because <laughs> yeah. that takes up a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of fucking work. That's rolling a lot of joints mm. and giving drugs Handing them out to, to children. <laughs> children. So yeah, I spent a lot of time at protests when you I was younger. Protesting or running a disco, like how many answers? Yeah, I think the plebiscite was another time where that peaked back up, and it was it was too big to be complacent about. But now I'm 33, and I make sure that I'm aware of what's happening in the world, mm. and uh, and aware of what's happening here locally. And that I use the privileges that I have, mm-hmm. like this show, and the fact that I have a full-time job mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm doing my bit. But unfortunately, I don't have that same activist fire. Mm. That's do you, do you um, not necessarily take to the streets for stuff, but do you ever like give to different organizations that have got a political agenda or anything like that? Yeah, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. So anything. So you give them retweets, not cash. (laughs) (laughs) I I promote their name. (laughs) It's digital currency, Tom. Um, Anything that comes up in my timeline that I think is an important cause. I'm privileged enough to be in a position where I have expendable income. So if that's the least that I can do, I will do that. Do you still have social, socialist views? No. Okay. No, not at all. How dare you talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, now I have a Birkin bag, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like too many What nice about you things. guys? What do you take into the streets for? Uh, abortion laws are really big. Oh, yeah. 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 They're huge. Yeah. Um, I think that it's a really hard time for women. Mm. We recently marched. I'm really angry. Mm. And really sad. And sad that women spend their whole lives justifying themselves. Mm. As if to have to stand there and be like, oh, it was a one night stand. Like, you couldn't just be like, I was with my boyfriend for three years and we weren't ready. It's not right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We weren't ready and he was pretending he had a job, but he didn't like. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think women had to make so many excuses for the way they want to run their bodies. Mm. I think the older I've gotten, the more angry I am Mm. because I'm sick of listening to men tell me what I can and can't do with my body. And I'm sick of it being a discussion. Which is obviously a much bigger discussion in New South Wales at the moment. It's which, huge. Yeah. yeah, right. I didn't think about that. It's We're the kind of ones at the moment doing that. Yeah. Not yeah. It's huge. Mm. And it's scary. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think what's scary about it is the men in my life that have really bad views about it mm. and don't understand how important it is and don't realise that like, the chances are their wife's had an abortion. Yeah. They're like, oh, those other girls out yeah. there. But it's like something ridiculous. Like, I think it's like one in four, maybe one in three women that have an abortion. Wow. 
but I think all men think that they don't know anyone that has. Mm. And, and and a huge part of the problem is because of the way that men act, I think it's making those one in three women not feel like they can tell their partner or they can tell their family that they, they've been through that. I think and it's that- really... I've had an abortion, which I've never spoken about ever, wow. publicly. <laughs> um, three drinks to me, I'll tell anyone. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to have a baby. Yeah, like, which is absolutely fine. I was 19, and I don't think the story has to get any more complicated than no. that. I don't think I have to justify who I was no. with, who I wasn't with. I didn't want to have a fucking baby. Yeah. It really frustrates me that most of them come out, the ones that come out and speak are the ones with the horror stories. It's mm. like, he was yeah. hitting me. I had three kids. I had yeah. to leave. I was addicted to meth. And you're like, mm, okay, good choice, sweetie. But there's just everyday women. I think there's also this idea that like, if we've had an abortion, every day we sit there and are like, oh, say a prayer for my baby. Yeah. Um, I've been to paradise, but I've never been, been to, to me. me. Yeah. yeah, that's me every night. Mm. But I don't think about it mm. because it didn't define me. Do you know what I mean? It was a decision I made. It was a medical decision I made. Yeah. And that's the end of it. But I will tell you that like when I went through that process, um, the doctor was very kind to me, but she was like, okay, we're going to say that like mentally you can't have one because mm. that's the way the New South Wales abortion laws work. Right. You have to say that you either mentally or physically can't. So she was like, okay, that's fine. Like We're going to sort it. But I just went in and was like, I don't want to have a baby. Mm. She's like, we'll sort it. Like she had to change her paperwork to fit in to, with the system. Yeah, right. Yeah. And thank God she did. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like if she had, I was 19, I was an idiot. If she had made me feel bad about it, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. So I think people think like, oh, like it's illegal, but like it's fine. Like it's a sneaky, like it's fine. But you're not the girl going into a doctor's office. And having to fake medical documents. And yeah. Sort of and yeah. I think most doctors are medical minded people that mm. are really switched on. Mm. But what if you get the shit one mm. that's like you're killing a baby mm. or I'm not going to sign off on that. And then for a girl, that might be enough to be like, I'm a monster. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just going to have this baby and that's that. So that makes me really angry and that mm. makes me go to the streets every time. But I, I get really sick of the fact that, like, we only talk about women having babies under duress. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or having an abortion under duress. Yeah. Everyday women do it and they're fine. Great. Good on you. I'm a hero. Like- you are. <laughs> <laughs> you genuinely you. are. I'm just having the balls to say it. On, I mean, on this podcast and talking about it in public is a really brave thing. It's so not on my Tinder profile, but like, <laughs> I'm thinking about adding it. it might be. I think we all get into activism for our own selfish reasons, right? We see something that triggers us yeah. and we're yeah. like, absolutely not. Except for Luke, yeah. he's like, I care about war. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a socialist, Mary. Like, yeah. <laughs> Back right off. But we usually do. And then I think it teaches us empathy. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where we're like, absolutely. Because like, I see my rights. Or even just the power of going to a march and seeing the results from it, then knowing that you could go and put your voice towards other people's plight is yeah, and you might have changed something thing. like you know your yeah. voice in that crowd you know yeah. helped I think it's so lucky now that we can go to a march and our name could be Britain and we're not going to probably lose our job yes mm-hmm. you yeah. know for majority of yeah. jobs you know there's still some iffy ones yeah. but in general we can and I think that's so exciting yeah. and I always say that to women I work at um, David Jones mm-hmm. and um, it's mostly middle-aged women and they usually have pretty conservative opinions but they don't have conservative opinions about their own bodies because mm. they've lived real lives yeah. and I always say to them like you need to make a fucking statement <laughs> like, yeah. it's not enough just to say I got an abortion when I was 30 mm. and I say it to all the people I'm like if you care about this like go to the streets mm. because people listen to powers like number they, they mm. listen you know mm. it's just kind of proven there is also something very therapeutic for, for I know in the really dark stages towards the end of the marriage equality debate when we were just like we always had like protest fatigue but we were still going every fucking fortnight to go and march there was something really beautiful about having all these people around you and not everyone there was mm. queer but having straight allies there to support you and that sort of stuff. So if you can go and, and be a supportive person to other people that might be affected by whatever it is you're marching mm. for, I think is a really nice thing. And I think, thing. like, I remember the marriage equality thing was happening. I was seeing, like, young kids there, like mm. maybe 12, 13. I was like, you're a little queer. Yeah. Um, there's so much to include on than any oh, of Oh, there's so much. I mean, these kids organizing these global um, strikes. Stu- climate uh, change? Climate yeah. change strikes I'm like, it's amazing. just a bit hot. Take a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ask my nana. <laughs> kids on TikTok are, like, yeah. organizing these huge I am addicted strikes. to like, TikTok at the I have moment. no idea. Like, what kids, you mean me? I'm far too old. I was yeah. too old to learn Tumblr. I'm not going to learn TikTok. I, I just feel like intrinsically LGBT and queer individuals have a political nature to them mm, yeah. because they have learnt the importance of their own visibility and their own voice because they have a unique experience that heterosexual people don't have to go through, mm. which is the coming out process. And they realise if I don't say anything, I'm not going to be represented and I'm not going to have any life satisfaction yeah. unless I learn how to use my voice and go through this 
you know, somewhat traumatic experience, yeah. at least yeah. a while but back. But my concern, Luke, is it's... that, yeah, you and I feel like that way because we went through some shit. And my yeah. concern is that as gay men, life is getting easier for us. I hope that we don't forget the struggle that other people are going through. Mm. And as younger people come through in future generations that are going to have it easier and easier, I'd hope they don't forget the plight of other people yeah. that are suffering. I, I don't know what the younger generation where they politically are at because mm. I'm terrified to talk to them because they <laughs> freak the fuck out of me. They're so well adjusted. I yeah. do know in my peer circles and in, like in my generation, being political was just like second nature. Yeah. And knowing that what else do I need to be doing and what else is happening? Who else is there after I've got my piece? Mm. It kind of like, I'm not being shady or anything, but it does kind of irritate me. Not to make it about Drag Race, but <laughs> Nina West on Drag Race told this kind of sob story about how she was part of the extreme conservative party and mm. and how she would go to their rallies and and she was raised in that environment until she realized it did not benefit her personally mm. because she came out and it does kind of frustrate me that some members of the lgbt community aren't politically minded until it, it it affects like them, yeah. physically affects them and I, I i it may just be a generational thing because mm. I think it particularly pisses me off because that individual is being lifted up as like the pinnacle of activism and and like forward thinking and wokeness. Nina was invented protesting. Yeah, And and just to me, it's like no, this is like really personally motivated political thinking, and we're currently in a political climate where members of our community, the trans community, are being killed mm. and not getting the level of visibility that they need to and things well, like that. Well, I mean, maybe part of the problem, Luke, is that we need to, and I agree with you, I, the kids, younger, the younger generation, I, I don't get, but um, <laughs> but maybe part of the thing Let's is we need to be about- reaching out and, and educating them and that sort of stuff. I remember the first protest I ever went to, I was like 12 or 13 years old and an older cool cousin of mine took me to an uh, Indigenous reconciliation protest and like I was like white suburban Melbourne, had never even heard of Indigenous reconciliation conversations before, and then learned about it through this older cousin of mine who took me to this protest, and that was something I was passionate about for the rest of my life. But it was if it hadn't been for her taking me to this protest, and I probably wouldn't have learned about it till much later in life, and given a shit about it until later in life. So maybe part of it is that we need to be like reaching out and educating younger people so they can continue fighting and join the cause. I yeah. think having those conversations. Mm. I think often the time I always think we don't always know people's pain. Mm. And I think when people share, and like for me, I listen to podcasts and I'm like, oh, okay, that's something I need to care about. This is affecting people because we live in our bubbles. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think every man thinks about abortion because they're never going to have one, you know? And I think that with, I think 100% the reason I'm an ally to the gay community is because I happen to meet in your eight my friend Morgan, and he happened to be gay. Yeah. And so that completely changed the way I saw the world. But if I had not met him and I hadn't had any close gay friends, it might have taken me long to get there. Yeah. I think that that's okay. Like, I think we learn, but I think what's so great about the world now is we're actually talking about things mm. because it used to be like, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. And I think so it's so great that we can have these conversations and these debates because it used to just be like a, shh, it's Well, Christmas. everyone has a platform now. Like, there isn't yes. a single person who doesn't have some kind of vocal platform that they can get up and say what they feel. They have it, a podcast. It, <laughs> it could be in like in a negative way as well, but like, Anyone can get up and, you know, write a tweet or write a Facebook status yeah. or just start ranting online or about something. But everyone's got the ability to have that voice these days. Mm. Yeah, totally. And uh, I know, like, I always think it's really interesting. Like, I think gay rights are moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, I was talking to my mum the other day and she was like, yeah, you're marching for the same things I did. Mm. And that just made me want to die. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're marching under the same umbrella of things, but we're taking we've taken steps. And sure, advances. steps. Yeah, but I yeah. like my mom's. Like, I just was hoping my daughters wouldn't grow up in a time where Parliament yeah. discussed your reproductive yes, rights. Yes, true. Yeah. And I think about that a lot. That yes, we have gotten far, and let's celebrate every milestone. And yes, I have more freedom and choice than perhaps my mom. And did. it is snowballing. I think as well. Absolutely, but I still think like there's not a reason to be like, oh, we have enough now. Yes. You know no, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it is tiring because you're like, oh, it doesn't seem mm. like it's improving. But at the same time, we are improving. And the more we talk and the more we share, like, we're getting somewhere. 
I guess, yeah, one thing that I'm, I'm so grateful of having watched this whole Hong Kong protest thing is that we can protest peacefully here and have our voices heard. It might take time and we have to keep doing it over and over and over again, but we can do it. We're not getting bashed up by police and politicians are forced to look at the numbers of people that are turning out in the streets for certain things and listen to what's and at least debate the topics. One of the um, things that made me realise that was when they broke into the, the parliament in uh, Hong Kong, some of the graffiti that was written on one of the walls said, it was you who taught us that peaceful protest don't work and I realised that's what for, like it was actually the Chinese government not doing anything that forced them to go from being peaceful protests to violent protests and we're so lucky that we don't have to do that yet mm. here but we should always be you vigilant you like scrapped your plans to break into parliament yeah. now you're like I guess our protests work <laughs> yeah yeah we, we need to be vigilant and make sure that we are forcing the government to listen to what we're saying in these protests um, because otherwise I'm going to get mm. violent well know? I think the plebiscite taught us a lot right yeah. like Keep fighting the good How to fight. Do it. Yeah. I think there's some beautiful weddings. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's also a really funny video of someone interviewing a white chick that's just landed in Hong Kong right oh, at the start of the- Oh my God, it's so, so funny. How do you feel about everything that's going on in Hong Kong? She like, is- I want to party. <laughs> she is in I'm tears. Hands. She's in tears. And like the interviewer yeah. can't believe it because she's like, this is not what I paid for. Oh. This is ruining oh, my life. Me on I got told this was like the nicest, most friendliest place in the oh, world. Oh, sweetie, I'm sorry your life is a little bit crippled by this. There are some pop-up shops. Like. <laughs> you can buy a lovely Christmas. air horn. Yeah. Be festive, sweetie. All right, so I'm delving back into anxiety. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh, That's a great Beautiful hot topic. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel, I'm here. This was actually requested by a fan for us to delve a bit deeper into some of the intricacies of social anxiety. Is uh, that the fan you met in the bathroom today? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I just told this story, but I was at like a corporate training today about manage, effective management techniques, real fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. And someone basically approached me in the men's toilets to say, oh, I listened to your show. It's really great. And all I could think was, it's only fans of our show that would approach in the bathroom. So like, yeah. I've been approached under the stall, and you're like, "Um, no, I'm, I'm a <laughs> I've been approached in the bathroom, but they didn't have no idea what the podcast was. <laughs> no, 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 no. You tell them about it. Yeah, anyway. I was like, yeah. like, I'll fuck you, but listen to ODL. <laughs> Um, I've been really upfront on the show and it's something I actually get mm. the most amount of messages from is mental health and something that I think affects a lot of our listeners and is really common in the LGBT community is social anxiety. Members of our community are 1.5 to 2.5 more likely to suffer from an anxiety disorder or depression. And for me personally, social anxiety has always kind of been like the USB cord of anxiety disorders in that it, it, it attaches into everything else that's going wrong for you at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, where's this metaphor going? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I was real happy when I thought of that one. Yeah. <laughs> for me, like if my self-confidence is down or if I've hit a wave of depression, social anxiety is right there plugging into it. And it's sort of, it's almost like a side effect of something else for me. And the, the way that manifests is I withdraw. Uh, the boys on the show probably experience quite a bit is like there'll be periods where I don't engage Mm -hmm. and then waves when I do and it's usually in parallel with something else that's going on for me in Mm. life it was getting to a point where I had surrounded myself with people that I could trust and that I could set really clear boundaries and guidelines with and just be open about what it actually felt like for me social anxiety is like it kind of ties into imposter syndrome is oh, yeah. walking into a situation going, everyone in this room knows everything that is wrong yeah, with yeah. you immediately. And the easiest solution to that is just not to be in that room. So do whatever you can to get out of that room or not be in the room in the first place. Yeah, just not show up in the first place. And so that manifests in avoidance. Sometimes it can swing the other way into like, ugh, I don't want to say hysteria, but... Being really dramatic in social situations. You can say it, so, Sarah. You're a man. Yeah. <laughs> I want to reclaim. Uh, this is a, a side note, but I also want to start using the word hysteria more for to men, label women <laughs> for for you specifically. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you, do. I do. I <laughs> do for men because, like, I work in a psych practice, and a lot of our textbooks literally assign hysteria only to women. Yeah, and they're still used. Like, these are current textbooks. They sound that super correct. Using. Yeah, being really clear with my friends and the people that I love that, hey, this is how this manifests. I'm going to disappear for a little bit or I'm not going to be responsive. Mm. And the best way to deal with that 
for me and for us to continue having a healthy friendship is... For you to treat me like a sexy magician. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, it's to talk dirty. (laughs) Um, For me, it's just persistence is like, I'm not going to crack it at you if, if... uh, or send me encouraging messages saying like, I know you're probably avoiding me right now and that's totally cool, but let me know yeah. when you're out of that phase. Yeah. Yeah. The the really fascinating thing about social anxiety is I think it's something that I picked up really, really early on in life. It ties in a lot like the political stuff. It ties into when I started to realize I was the only mm. brown person in my school life and I was the only gay person in my school life. And so I was hyper vigilant all the time in terms of how I presented when I was out in public. And I needed a level of control. I needed to know like what was going to happen in every scenario so I could adjust accordingly so no one would notice that I was brown and gay. And though I don't have that level of restriction on my life anymore and I'm quite open about being brown, (laughs) uh, the hang-ups still exist. They're so woven into the way that my brain works that I've removed the kind of fear aspect of it, but my behaviors still work the same way. And to be completely honest, I don't know if it'll ever go away. Mm. Uh, I'm not a silver linings type of guy. I think it might just be the way I am for the rest of my life. But the key thing is how do I frame it and, and how do I manage it in a healthy way that doesn't alienate the people that I love and that I'm not feeding it. And that's my TED talk. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Um, I, I know what you mean with the growing up in a certain way and realizing stuff and knowing what you're comfortable with. I feel like like often people think that performers and stuff have are, like totally comfortable and can chat away at any conversation and that sort of mm. stuff. Um, for me, as I've talked about many times before, it really struggled through school in a very predominantly heterosexual, toxic masculinity kind of environment you know an all boys catholic predominantly white school and hated life and it wasn't really until i finished school and discovered the gay scene that i bloomed into this beautiful human being that i am today (laughs) but became confident enough to be funny and be camp and and be myself and i've never learned how to carry that confidence back into that mainstream world yeah Um, i still am incredibly anxious when i'm in predominantly heterosexual environments which is why i've always I mean, I perform almost exclusively to queer audiences or or write queer shows that attract a queer or ally audience. I've been invited to dinners for friends' birthdays and stuff. And if it's if it's like a couple of gays down one end of the table and everyone else is straight, I'll sort of lock up. And I'm th- and I sit there thinking, Thomas, you're a 32 year old, strong, funny, fierce, independent man. You can handle a conversation with these people, but I'll sit there locked like I cannot think what to say. And someone will be very kindly probably try and throw me a lifeline and ask yeah. me a question and I'll just yeah. give them like a four-worded answer. Like, you're homophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's I what leave. it feels like. Leave. It feels like I'm on the defense. <laughs> But it, 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 it goes back to that feeling of being that school kid, of waiting. You know, like yeah. I talked about that last day of, of primary school when the kids all pretended they were friends with me all of a sudden and then threw all the jelly beans that the teacher gave us at me. It, it goes back to that feeling of, wait, you're leading me into a trap and I'm not safe. I'm not going to fall into that trap. So I'm just not going to engage with you. Mm. Um, and, and that, you know, when I'm out in public, just on the street, in, in on trams and that sort of stuff, it's heads down, headphones in, don't talk to anyone. And I sort of see other people usually straight people, usually white men, who are happy to just sort of say good day or start up random conversations with people. And I think, gosh, that is so bizarre. Like, that is yeah. so out of my Would world. Would love for you to start saying good day, though. Good day, yeah. <laughs> good day, Oh, good day, The weather's fucked, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's, I see these people having these conversations on the tram. I'm like, gosh. I, if and, and if someone does start a conversation with me in public like, on a tram like that, it's, it is... You think you're getting, like, punked? Yeah. Like, who's I'm like, around? What's, like, what's what going on? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know AFL. <laughs> I've gotten off trams two stops early just to avoid having to have like continuing conversations yeah. with people because it is so I'm not comfortable with it because I don't know where it's going to lead and I don't know what trap I'm going to be walked mm. into you know which is it is stupid but in my mind it's I think at the time everyone scale. that wasn't cool in school yeah. lives with this idea absolutely shocking I was not cool in school and I think we all live with this idea that like we could never be cool mm. or like desired by like a vast majority yeah. of people and I think I always feel that way because now I'm not cool, but like people want to be my friend mm. and that freaks me out. I'm yeah. like, mm, 
yeah. no, you don't, sweetie. Like, you're thinner than me, so, like, you stick to your side. Yeah, right. Um, we can't be friends. No, we, we can't be friends. High school taught me anything is that we can't be friends. We can't be yeah. friends. You're blonde. We can't be friends. I think, like, the big thing for me I always get is, like, oh, you're so confident. You're so self-assured. You're so funny. And I'm like, yeah, but in my pocket of the world, like, yeah. Oxford Street, I'm fine. You'll never see me at a straight club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No. Because I just, you'll never, like... That's just, just not where you're comfortable, yeah. I don't feel safe. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, gay men are my thing. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm like, I'm safe. They get my jokes. It's fine. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. But I keep my world pretty small in that mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And it's always this fear of, like, rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you feel like people are going to, like, laugh at you or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds weird because I dress a certain way and, like, nothing about me... And that's the thing. You, can, I think you can be an extrovert but still have social anxieties about certain aspects yeah. of the world yeah. it's that really but cliche people, line of the introverted, introvert pretending yeah. to be an extrovert which introverted I think, extrovert yeah. yeah which I think a lot of us are and especially like you know what we're doing with podcasts and stuff yeah. like that and putting our voices out there we kind of have to be introverted mm. in a way for it to work mm. and then faking that you know being an extrovert is like so exhausting at mm. times and stuff like that but it's kind of where we find comfort because mm. like what you were saying Luke about how you know walking to a room and you can see everyone there and you're like you know everything that's wrong with me right now yeah. I feel like that stems from, you know, walking to a room with, like, sexuality and being like, who in here knows that I'm gay? Mm. Yeah, totally. Who can That's... smell it on me? Like, right now, walking in here, you've been... I'm, look- like, sniffing you? Yeah, I'm like, like you've been no, looking I at me for longer okay, than I 10 douched, seconds. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, then. <laughs> but you've been looking at me longer than 10 seconds, like, you must know my deep, dark secret. And it's, like, taking that into absolutely everything else. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a behaviour that I haven't been able to yeah. remove. Yeah. And I think it does stem down to those controllables. What can I control about this environment? And it's by going to the places you feel comfortable because it just removes that one thing being like, I don't need to worry about what's going to happen in this space because I know this space. And it it sort of removes the unknowns from the scenario. It's So, okay, so we're four people that's... I mean, I think we're all pretty happy with how our lives are at the moment. Do you think that creating these safe spaces for ourselves and these circles for ourselves and only sticking to these bars or these clubs or these uh, social areas or these particular jobs or particular houses even, is that a coping mechanism and is that a sustainable coping mechanism or is it dangerous that we're doing this and we're not trying to over... Like, is it fine that we're not overcoming these social anxieties or is it It's a a combination, right? Like, I think, you know, anything in moderation... Yes, like these are my people and mm-hmm. I very much feel that way. Like even if I felt comfortable at a straight club, I'm probably going to have more fun at a gay club. Mm-hmm. And so I do try and remind myself of that. Like I like the music, I like the people, I like that you just talk. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. have a laugh. Like that's where I want to be. But I also think that like in some ways I think I get more and more scared of heterosexual men every day. Yeah. Because I'm like, why would I talk to you when I can just hang out with my gay friends? Yeah. yeah. They're so nice. Um- <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I'm starting to think it's not, I used to think it's a problem, but I'm starting to think it's not a problem. Like, no. I'm quite happy with the people that I get to hang the out with and the have. environments I get to hang I get to hang out with amazing friends. And, and maybe uh, we just created worlds for us that are better. Yeah. I think I always feel most at home with like gay men or women, mm. like they're my people and I want to be with them. But I also think I don't want to become scared of mm. the other world because there's a difference between choosing my world. world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the other world. It's the underbelly of society, yeah. heterosexual culture. It's like in Pirates of the Caribbean when the ship turns Goes upside, upside down. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do try and make myself not scared. I just recently broke up with my boyfriend of a long time, yeah. like four years, and Morgan was like, get Tinder. Mm. And I was like, I don't like men. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that conversation went the like, other way around. Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting Tinder. Do it how like, you want to do it. You don't like men. <laughs> this is the interesting thing, though, because I think, yeah, when I think of my, when I sort of refer to the gay world and that sort of stuff, I have some wonderful heterosexual male friends, mm. but they choose to include themselves in in my world because they don't like that toxic. And are they gross single, world. Tom? Actually, well, one of them is, but he's just moved to London. Sorry. Um, um, all right, I'll, I'll, Skype. Bring <laughs> I'll bring him back. I'll Skype. Uh, <laughs> I'll do anything on cam. I'll like, Skype sex. Like, like, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not saying that, that I can't make friends with heterosexual people, but they have to be strong allies that that are outspoken allies and sort of like what you're talking about before not the kind of allies that say oh I love my gays I love my gays yeah. oh my husband doesn't like them very much but I, I you know that's fine that's him that's safe they have, yeah they have to be the kind of ally that is 100% on board or I'm not do you gonna... think as well like when we're in school we just want to be liked by everyone we don't really care if Tiffany's cool or not which like you're blonde and small so I think I, I just want to be liked me. by anyone no that's what I mean Still. and now we're older <laughs> we're like I don't necessarily need your approval I want to hang out with the people that are interesting yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like more my people and it's yeah. not like those things either are like completely like shoved into heterosexual world like gay world is awful sometimes oh yeah true yeah yeah, I walk into a room sometimes for like not sometimes all the time Mm. of like I feel sometimes I have more social anxiety when it comes to a room of 
gay guys right. yeah. when it comes to a gay club. Or like, there's a lot of times where you know Mary wants to go out and she's like, "Come on, let's go." I'm like, "Oh, like I'm not really feeling it tonight, mm. so we just have to get blind drunk." And then there I am, like, "Yeah, and you're like, I'm feeling it." Um, <laughs> but I know, like, yeah, it's it interesting because makes- I feel like I can walk into. Sorry, I just no, go you. for it. You're I a man. Feel, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but no, like, go for it. <laughs> no, it's good call. Um, I f- I know what you're talking about with the gay scene thing, but. I can walk into a, a gay bar full of like your muscly, beautiful, pretty boys, yeah. but I know how to have that conversation, or I know how okay. to interact with them. Yeah. So for me, I don't get the same kind of anxieties that I would mm. in in a, a, a more heterosexual environment. You yeah. just ask for their OnlyFans and go home. You're like, yeah. OnlyFans? No, I just say I loved you can on you the Sydney gays. And yeah. <laughs> I, for me, I'm similar to Morgan in that. I think I'm sort of like the covert spy mm-hmm. in a heterosexual world that I've spent so long in that world that I know the rules and I know how it works that now as like an openly gay podcaster, mm. I can shut down a room full of heterosexuals pretty quickly yeah. if I need to do that for my social anxiety. And mm. I, I know how that plays out. Fuck off, because- Karen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, need to go, I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. <laughs> because that's... That's just the environment I grew up in and I spent yeah. the most time yeah. in and I, I know it. And when I came out and then had to learn this new set of social rules because there was a new world that existed the whole time that I was alive, I mm. just wasn't privy to it mm-hmm, yeah. and I wasn't a part of it, that actually created more questions and more uncontrollables for me because I went, this already exists. I just haven't been a part of it. I don't know how this goes. I haven't had the time to practice like I have in, yeah, in, like watch me be a chameleon in front of a room of heterosexuals or talk to anyone. Exactly. That's fine. But how am I meant to do it with a room of people who can also be chameleons? Yes. Mm. And I think with any mental health issue, it is about whether it is impacting your ability to be happy. Mm. Mental health issues affect almost all of us to some extent. I think we're all on a scale there. But you need to have the self-awareness to know when are these issues actually impacting my ability to be happy and the relationships that I have. So if you've closed yourself off into this bubble that you're really comfortable in and you know everything about it and it's all you do, that's totally fine because you're happy, you're living a fulfilling life and the people that you're interacting with appreciate you and you're having fulfilling relationships with them. If you're doing that but not feeling happy and feeling like I'm limiting myself or you're not having fulfilling relationships that's when I think you need to go, I need to push something. I need to work mm. on something here and, and figure out what is going on. I think like on. you said, like it shouldn't be about having to get off two stops too early because you don't want yes. to speak to someone. Yeah, 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 that's true, yeah. I think that's really hard. I think it's really easy for me because I can move between two worlds pretty easily. But I think for like LGBTQ people, it can be a real fear of like, not just like someone not liking you, like someone attacking you. Yeah. I don't really feel that with straight men. I mean, yeah, they could kill me. That's likely. But also... Yeah. Mm. They were like, oh, she's quirky. Um, but, <laughs> she's so brave. She's so brave, she's so, so quirky. Brave. So, oh, she makes jokes. Okay, um, all right. But, you know, I know uh, I have gay friends that are like, I don't want to go to this part of town because if I hold yeah. hands with my boyfriend, it's a target. And I'm like, okay, I don't feel that way. And what do we do about this? And it's the same thing with women being afraid to walk home at night. That fear isn't illegitimate. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it stems from a real place. Mm. And it's one thing for me to turn around to you and be like, Tom, like, just talk to whoever you want. Like, love your life. But the truth is there are some really homophobic people out there. Mm, yeah. And the same way I want to say to my female friends, walk home at night. Like, fuck men. Where yeah. I'm like, no, like, please don't. Like, get an Uber. Yeah. Really. Some it's based of it's on real, real hard yeah. stuff. Yeah. Some of it's real. Yeah. And, then, you know, I'm probably not going to get the shit beaten out of me if I say hello to the guy on the tram. But it comes from this fear of of the shit that they could do at, uh, late at night if in different circumstances and that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's a sad thing. Like, I was walking home the other night and not far at a... Guy was like to me, he's like, excuse me, and I was like, <gasps> like, and I yeah. just was like, kept walking, and he's like, no, 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 you dropped something, yeah, and right. I was like, okay, you can't still kept walking, like he's lying, he's, like, lying. Yeah. he's lying. lying, I'm not a fool, I'm not a fool, I don't want my phone, have my wallet, I don't care, take my tampon, um, <laughs> but I remember thinking like, I'm sure he was a lovely guy, how sad for it is for him, for yeah. this kid to be like, yeah. oh, sorry, sweetie, you dropped something, yeah, and true, be like, yeah. <gasps> you know, like it's sad for both mm. the people interacting, and I think about that a lot that. For every shitty person, there's just a good person that just wants to have yeah. a like a chat. But we're raised, I think, as women and probably as gay people, to always be scared. Mm. And I think that contributes a lot to social anxiety. I did also just want to add in, just for the fans that have requested this topic, we've talked a lot about how wonderful and great it is to have your chosen family and your logical family and, and your bubble that you live in. I just want to say it's okay for you to have that and still feel social 
anxiety. So mm. even for me, I have a loving, supporting group of friends. I have a show where I can come in and talk about catfish for 40 minutes. And people <laughs> An will, amazing topic, we cut though. That out. Yeah, yeah. People, I didn't hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> people will let me do that, and I still feel other and and like anxious yeah. and not accepted mm. at times because of my anxiety disorder. I mean, Morgan and, and I were here nervous tonight. We we're like, oh, okay, how many people? Mm. Like, you get nervous. Oh, we were yeah. manic on the way here. Yeah, like, we went real good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's important to let people know that's yeah. okay as well. Yeah. You mm. can have everything and, lined and, up. Yeah, I, yeah, you're totally right. And and to extrapolate on that. Anxiety does not have to look like the way that the four of us have described it, no, or not. any other way you've ever heard it manifesting itself. It can it can manifest itself in the most ridiculous of ways, and you can have anxiety about talking about your anxiety because you've never heard someone else say that they have the same kind of anxieties that you have. Yeah, that's okay as well. I think. Okay, once our guests stop fighting, I'd like to thank them. <laughs> Look, it happens. <laughs> it happens in every relationship. For coming in for the episode this week. We've made it to the end of a, another episode without Kyle. Yeah, and, and Kyle will be back next week. Yes. Tell us all about his trips around Italy, which I'm very excited about. I've heard about. enough. Like, Instagram's yeah. too much. His Instagram he's has been happy. heavy, a but it's lot. been beautiful. It's no, he's too beautiful. happy. <laughs> so there's an episode he's a to happy miss. Guy. <laughs> Mary, he can be happy. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mary and Morgan are sticking around for our after show. If you want to have listen to it you can sign up patreon.com slash gaze revolting pod mm. and we're going to be talking about uh, another fan suggested topic which was uh, sex on the first date which never is something I've that. never ever done because <laughs> I always have sex before the first date try they're still willing to t- <laughs> try before you buy oh that's good yeah <laughs> if they're still willing to talk to me after that then I'm on to don't you like you grind a buyer you're <laughs> like try before, before you buy, buy. <laughs> and do you guys want to let our listeners know where they can uh, check out oh dear um, so you can find us on Spotify Apple Apple, whatever. Oh dear. Okay. Do you want me to do it? Like, yeah, maybe you should do it. I don't know. <laughs> you can find us by searching OD Podcast on anything. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Instagram, Twitter, Ask, Ask Facebook. Jeeves. Sure. Alta Vista. Alta Vista. <laughs> Seekingarrangements.com. Sure, <laughs> Sugarbaby.com. Yeah, I'm on there. LinkedIn. You can find us on LinkedIn. We're very busy on LinkedIn. Making a lot of connections. Great. We'll, we'll see you on Craigslist. Can't um, and Morgan's Instagram is Morgan Aaron Ma. No, it's not. It's not. It's, it's Morgan Aaron. <laughs> it's Morgan Aaron and Mary's is Mary Rose M. <laughs> Heaven. Well, thanks so much. You guys have been an absolute joy to chat with. So thanks no, so, so much. Right. Thank you, guys. When you're right, you're right, Tommy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but when you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 How are we holding the note for? <laughs> That's long enough. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.